بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد so continuing with Bulugh al-Maram, we're now in the second chapter, which is the chapter concerning the Adhan, the different rulings and regulations, the Ahadith, which have been mentioned regarding the Adhan. So that's what we will speak about now, inshallah. And the chapter is not very lengthy, so maybe three or four sittings, and we can complete this chapter of the Adhan, inshallah. And then after that, we'll start into the conditions of the prayer itself. So, Babul Adhan. The name of the chapter is the chapter of the Adhan, but it includes the Iqama also. When the author says here the chapter of the Adhan, then what's intended by that or what is included within that is the Adhan and the Iqama. Uh, Shaykh Salih al Fawzan, Hafizahullah, says, Babul Adhan, Ya'ani wal Iqama. The chapter of the Adhan, meaning also the Iqama as well. لِأَنَّ الْإِقَامَ أَذَانِ Because the Iqama itself is a type of Adhan. وَإِنَّمَا لَمْ يَذْكُرْهَا لِأَنَّهَا دَاخِلَةٌ فِي لَفْظِ الْأَذَانِ And the author didn't mention that specifically and say that this is the chapter of the Adhan and Iqama because Iqama almost by default comes into the word Adhan anyway. So when you say the Adhan, there is the Adhan that everybody is aware of. And also the iqama is a type of adhan. So by default it comes into the word adhan anyway. So it's sufficient to say the chapter of the adhan without having to say the chapter of the adhan and iqama. Uh, and then the shaykh also says that now that we've finished talking about the timings of the prayers, when the prayers uh, start, when the times they start, when the times they end, now that we've spoken about those types of issues in the previous chapter, then it is befitting and suitable now to speak about the issues relating to the Adhan. Because the Adhan, that is the act which tells you that the time has now begun. So we've been speaking about the beginning times of the prayers and the end times. The Adhan is the act of worship which indicates and tells you about the beginning times of the prayers. That's why it's now suitable to discuss the Adhan and the issues of the Adhan. Because it is by the Adhan, via the Adhan, that the beginning time of the prayer becomes known. And that's what the Adhan is. The Adhan is, الوقت. It is an announcement to announce that the time has now begun for the prayer. That's what the Adhan is. The Adhan is an announcement that the time for the prayer has now begun. إِعْلَامٌ بِدُخُولِ الْوَقْتِ فَهُوَ قَدْ بَيَّنَ الْمَوَاقِيتُ أَوَّلًا ثُمَّ ذَكَرَ الْأَذَانِ بَعْدَهَا لِأَنَّهُ إِعْلَامٌ بِهَا So the author spoke about the times of the prayers first, and now he's going to speak about the Adhan, because it is the Adhan which tells you the times of the prayers, that the time has now begun and started. So the first hadith in this chapter, عن عبد الله بن زيد بن عبد ربه رضي الله عنه قال طاف بي وأنا نائم رجل فقال تقول الله أكبر الله أكبر فذكر الأذان بتربيع التكبير بغير ترجيع والإقامة فرادا إلا قد قامت الصلاة قال فلما أصبحت أتيت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال إنها لرؤيا حق الحديث أخرجه أحمد وأبو داود وصححه الترمذي وابن خزيمة وزاد أحمد في آخره قصة قول بلال في أذان الفجر الصلاة خير من النوم in this hadith now the hadith of Abdullah ibn Zayd ibn Abd Rabbihi رضي الله عنه he said that whilst I was asleep, a man came to me. This was in a, in a dream, in a, uh, whilst he was asleep. This occurred to him whilst he was asleep, radiallahu anhu. He said that a man came to me and said, 
that you should say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, فَذَكَرَ الْأَذَانَ بِتَرْبِيعِ takbir, And you should say that four times at the beginning. Say that four times, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, بِغَيْرِ تَرْجِيعِ Without repeating the shahadatain. The shahadatain without repeating them. What does that mean? We'll come to it in the explanation. وَالْإِقَامَ furada And the iqama is to be done single, once only, not to be repeated twice over, except for the line, قَدْ قَامَتِ salah That is done twice. So when he woke up, he came to the Prophet ﷺ, he says, when I woke up, I came to the Prophet ﷺ and I told him, and he said, ﷺ, that this is a true vision. It is a, an authentic dream that you had. It's a true dream that you had. So what's the meaning of this hadith? What's the meaning of this hadith where this companion radiallahu anhu had this dream where somebody came to him and basically explained the manner in which the adhan should be done. This hadith then, um, the shaykh says, it refers to the adhan and the legislation of the adhan. The legislation of the adhan, the fact that the adhan is something which is legislated in the religion, that is proven by the Qur'an and the sunnah and the consensus of the scholars. So you have ayat in the Qur'an which explain and prove the validity and the legislation of doing the adhan. From those ayat are for example, وَإِذَا نَادَيْتُمْ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ اتَّخَذُوهَا هُزُوَا In Surah Al-Ma'idah, ayah number 58, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that when you make the call to the prayer, then they would mock it. And this was referring to some of the Jews and the Christians who at that time, they used to mock the Muslims when they used to make the adhan. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that in the Quran, speaking about the adhan. وَإِذَا نَادَيْتُمْ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ And if you make the adhan, if you make the call to the prayer, then they would mock at it. They mock at it. And that was some of the Jews and the Christians who used to mock at the adhan. Similarly, you have uh, in Surah Al-Jum'ah, يَا أَيُّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِذَا نُودِيَ لِلصَّلَاةِ مِنْ يَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ فَاسْعَوْا إِلَىٰ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ يَا أَيُّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَوْ يُهُ بَلِيْفْ إِذَا نُودِيَ لِلصَّلَاةِ If the call to the prayer is made, and that is again obviously referring to the adhan, if the adhan for the prayer is made, if the call to the prayer is made, then hasten towards the prayer, hasten towards the remembrance of Allah. That is in Surah Al-Jumu'ah, ayah number 9. So these ayat from the Qur'an, they indicate the legislation of the adhan. Similarly, you could also add to that Surah Al-Fussilat, ayah number 33, where Allah said, وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ قَوْلًا مِمَّنْ دَعَى إِلَى اللَّهِ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا وَقَالْ إِنَّنِي مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Who is better than the one who is better in speech than the one who calls to Allah and does righteous actions and says that I indeed am from the believers, from the Muslims. Who is better in his speech than the one who calls to Allah and does righteous actions and says indeed I am from the Muslims. How is that a proof for the adhan? Who is better in speech than the one who calls to Allah and does righteous actions and says, indeed, I am from the Muslims. Where is the proof of the adhan? According to Allah. According to Allah. Who is better in speech than the one who calls to Allah? Some of the scholars, they say, this ayah was revealed regarding the mu'adhineen, the people who make the adhan, that they are the best of the people in speech, because they are calling to Allah, they are calling to the prayer. And yes, the ayah generally refers to da'wah in any case. Giving da'wah, calling the people to Islam, calling the people to Tawheed, giving the da'wah of this religion. The ayah encompasses that. But some of the scholars said that specifically it was actually revealed regarding the adhan. That who is better in speech than the one who calls to Allah, i.e. the one who does the adhan, calls the people to the Tawheed, calls the people to the salah, to the prayers, to the worship of Allah. So all of these ayat in the Qur'an, they explain the legislation of the adhan. And there are the ahadith clearly, the one that we have just mentioned now, that we are going to speak about now inshaAllah. And 
the agreement of the Muslims, consensus of the scholars, that this is uh, something from the uh, signs of Islam, one of the markers of Islam, something that Islam is distinguished by, that you hear this, uh, this adhan for the prayer. Then the Shaykh says, وَأَصْلُ مَشْرُوعِيَّةِ الْأَذَانِ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ أَنَّ نَبْزَ سَلَّمْ لَمَّا هَاجَرَ إِلَى الْمَدِينَةِ وَاجْتَمَعَ الْمُسْلِمُونَ مِنْ الْمَهَاجِرِينَ وَالْأَنْصَارُ الْقَادِمِينَ عَلَى رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ سَلَّمْ فَكَانُوا بِحَاجَةِ إِلَى أَنْ يَعْرِفُوا دَخُولَ الْوَقْتِ وَالْحُضُورِ لِلصَّلَاةِ The Adhan, when was it originally, initially legislated? When the Prophet sallallahu came to Medina, after they made hijrah from Mecca and they came to Medina, and the Muslims, they all came together, the Muhajirun, the Ansar, and those other people who came to the Prophet ﷺ in Medina, then they all needed some way to recognize the beginning of the prayer time. They all needed some way, some announcement of some type, some way to be able to recognize that the time for the prayer has begun, and that they should now attend for the prayer. So they discussed this affair. They all consulted and they discussed this affair. What can they use? What can be used as an item, as a tool, as a manner, as a way to indicate the beginning of the time? So some of them said, Some of them said we should have a bell. Have a bell that we ring and that will announce to everybody when they hear this bell that the time for their prayer has begun. However, the Prophet ﷺ said, That is what the Christians use. So we will not use that because it is not befitting to imitate another group of people. It is prohibited to imitate the others in that way. So... The Prophet ﷺ said the bell is not suitable because that is what the Christians use. Then some of them said, Some of them said maybe we should have some type of trumpet that makes a noise. Some type of trumpet that will make a loud noise. Some type of uh, where you blow into it and it will make a noise. And so that will announce to the people that the time for the prayer is begun and the people should attend. But again, the Prophet ﷺ said, that this type of trumpet-like item, something you blow into and it makes a noise, then that is what the Jews they use. They used to use this type of item. So again, that was not accepted. Then some of them said, We should light a fire. Have maybe some high post somewhere, on top of uh, some high place, and we light that fire at the time of the prayer, so everybody when they see this fire has lit up now, that's the time for the prayer. Some of them said maybe we should do it that way. Have some fire somewhere which is visible and we light that fire every time when the prayer starts. Again the Prophet ﷺ said, هَذَا فِعْلُ majus. This is what the fire worshippers do. The uh, fire worshippers, they used to have clearly their worship associated to fire. So the Prophet ﷺ refused that also to have this fire being lit up as a sign that the prayer should begin, or the time for the prayer has begun. So then after all of this discussion was going on, and this consultation was occurring, as to how the announcement for the time beginning should be made, uh, so that the people are aware of the prayer time and to attend, then we have this narration now, where Abdullah ibn Abd Rabbihi uh, al-Ansari al-Khazraji radiallahu anhu, he had a dream where somebody came to him in this dream. And he saw with this man, a bell. The man had a bell. فَقَالَ لَهُ أَعْطِينِ إِيَّاهُ So Abdullah ibn Abd Rabbihi said to this man in his dream, give me the bell. So that they could use it for the adhan. He said, give me the bell. But the man said, وَمَاذَا تَسْنَعُ بِهِ What are you going to do with it? Why do you want this bell from me? All of this in the dream. He said, why do you want this bell? So he said, نَدْعُ بِهِ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ we will use it to call the people to the prayer, i.e. for the adhan. So then this man said to him, in the dream all of this, he said to him, shall I not tell you something? Shall I not show you something better than that? Better than taking this bell. I'll show you something better. So Abdullah ibn Abd Rabbihi, he said, of course, show me. 
So then he said to him, Say Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, the Adhan. He gave him the form of the Adhan in his dream. فَذَكَرَ الْأَذَانَ بِتَرْبِيعِ التَّكْبِيرِ وَبِغَيْرِ تَرْجِيعِ So then in this hadith, in this dream, the man tells him how to make the Adhan by saying Allahu Akbar four times at the beginning, بِتَرْبِيعِ التَّكْبِيرِ Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And then, بِغَيْرِ تَرْجِيعِ بِغَيْرِ تَرْجِيعِ What that means is, bear this in mind now, there are narrations with two different types of adhan. In fact, you could even say three different types of adhan. But here what we want to speak about is the tarji'ah. There is one narration, or there are some narrations which say that the adhan should be done in four at the beginning, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, and then what? Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Then, Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. So far, up to eight. Then after that, Hayya ala salah, Hayya ala salah, ten, Hayya ala falah, Hayya ala falah, twelve, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, fourteen, La ilaha illallah. Fifteen sentences. That is the standard adhan. That is what is popular amongst the people, that is what is widespread, that is what the evidences indicate. The fifteen sentences. However, there is one type of adhan where there are actually nineteen sentences. That's the one which is known as tarji'ah. But this narration, in this narration in the dream, he dreamt it with the 15 lines. And the narration specifically says it wasn't the adhan which is 19 lines. There are some narrations of the adhan with 19 lines. How do you end up with 19 lines? The 15 lines everybody understands. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح حي على الفلاح الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله 15 How do you get to 19? Almost, not quite Almost The Shahada not the Allahu Akbar, the Shahada. So the first four parts stay the same. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. You're up to four so far. Then he says quietly to himself, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. So now you got to seven. Uh, six, sorry, six. Then he says it loud twice. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Now you're up to eight. Then quietly, أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله سنعيب تتن then loud twice أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله that's up to twelve huh then after that you finish off the remainder as it is and you end up with nineteen why will you end up with nineteen because the أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله you said that not twice but four times and أشهد أن محمد رسول الله you said that not twice but four times twice quietly twice loud Twice quietly, twice loud. Everybody understand that? So that's how you will end up with 19. That's known as tarji'ah. But in this narration, the point of it is, in this narration he specifies that in the dream he was not given the tarji'ah version. He was taught the 15 sentences version. Without saying that, Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, Ashhadu anna ilaha illallah, quietly to yourself. Without saying it quietly. Just the loud, twice loud, twice loud. So you end up with 15 sentences. That's what this narration indicates. That's important because the next narration is going to indicate the opposite. So this hadith indicates the legislation of making the adhan for the five prayers. This hadith says that he was taught in the dream to say the takbir four times at the beginning. Four times at the beginning. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Four times at the beginning. Min ghayri tarji'ah. Then after that, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah. That's it. Two and two. That's it. Without the tarji'ah. The tarji'ah version, you would say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, and then Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. 
بين اشهد ان محمد رسول الله 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 in that version you say each one four times but in this hadith it was just twice and twice standard then uh, in the end part of the hadith it says wazada ahmad fi akhirihi qissata qawli bilal in the narration of al-imam ahmad it is mentioned in the end of it the uh, the the part relating to bilal ibn abi rabah who was the freed slave of of uh, abu bakr radiyallahu anhu abu bakr as-siddiq radiyallahu anhu bought him he brought him and he freed him and that's what a maula is when you see the term maula Mawla means he used to be a slave and then he was freed. So uh, the addition which is added at the end of the narration, it says that except for Fajr, except for Fajr, in that one you add, As-salatu khayrun minan nawm. That the prayer is better than sleep. As-salatu khayrun minan nawm. وَهَذِي زِيَادَةُ تُقَالُ فِي آخِرِ أَذَانِ الْفَجْرِ بَعْدَ قَوْلِ الْمُؤَذِّنِ حَيَّ عَلَى الْفَلَاحِ And this is said at the end of the Adhan in Fajr, after you've said, حَيَّ عَلَى الْفَلَاحِ and that will come in more detail later on too. So here so far, the narration says that Abdullah ibn Abd Rabbihi radiallahu anhu had this dream where this person came to him and told him about how to do the adhan. And he basically told him in this dream that you say Allahu Akbar four times at the beginning as we do, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Then you say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Twice, that's it. Then, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah, twice. Then, Hayya ala salah, Hayya ala salah, Hayya ala al-falah, Hayya ala al-falah, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallah. Fifteen sentences. That's what the dream, he had the dream like that, with the fifteen sentences. Then, in the next narration, وَلِبْنِ خُزَيْمَ عَنْ أَنَسْ قَالْ مِنَ السُنَّةِ إِذَا قَالَ الْمُؤَذِّنُ فِي الْفَجْرِ حَيَّ عَلَى الْفَلَاحِ قَالْ الصَّلَاةُ خَيْرٌ مِنَ النَّوْمِ And this is just to indicate that the difference of the Fajr Adhan. The hadith says that from Anas uh, رضي الله عنه that from the sunnah, it is from the sunnah that if the muaddin says حَيَّ عَلَى الْفَلَاحِ in the Fajr prayer, in the Fajr Adhan, sorry, then he adds الصَّلَاةُ خَيْرٌ مِنَ النَّوْمِ This is from the sunnah. This is what it says in the narration. It is from the sunnah to do that. And if you see a hadith where it says it is from the sunnah to do such and such, sometimes the companions, they narrate the hadith in that way. They say it is from the sunnah to do such and such. Then often that relates to uh, the fact that this is a hadith they have heard directly from the Prophet ﷺ. Because the companions wouldn't say themselves, that it's something is a sunnah, if they hadn't heard it from the Prophet ﷺ telling them it's from the sunnah. So the fact that this hadith says, it is from the sunnah to say, as-salatu khayrun min an it indicates that this is something that was heard directly from the Prophet ﷺ. So this narration indicates, you add this section, as-salatu khayrun min an in the Fajr uh, Adhan. Then after that you have the next narration and this is the narration which will now indicate the other way of doing the adhan the narration of Abu Mahdhura radiyallahu anhu anna an-nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wasallam 'allamahu al-adhan fadhakara fihi at-tarji' akhrajahu Muslim walakin dhakara at-takbir fi awwalihi marratayni faqat rawahu al-khamsa fadhakaruhu murabba'a in this narration then the narration of Abu Mahdhura Abu Mahdhura they differed about what his actual name is. Some of them said Aus, uh, Al-Jum'ahi, Al-Qurashi. Some of them said Samura, Ibn Mu'een. And uh, he, uh, Abu Mahdura, uh, he was from amongst some of the people of Quraysh at that time, before they became Muslim. They used to recite the Adhan, uh, and some of them used to do it as a means of mocking the Muslims. They used to repeat after the Muslims the Adhan just to mock them. But Abu Mahdura, his voice was very beautiful. And when the Prophet ﷺ heard his voice and him reading the Adhan, then he recognized the, the beautiful sound of his voice. And he called him and he made dua for him, etc. And after that, he was made the actual Mu'addin. He was made the Mu'addin uh, of the Prophet ﷺ uh, until he died in Al-Masjid Al-Haram. This is Abu Mahdura. But in this hadith of Abu Mahdura, radiallahu anhu, 
He says two things different to the first hadith. The first hadith we have the standard adhan everybody is familiar with. The 15 sentences. This hadith has two things separate to it or different to it. One is that it mentions the tarji' which is that when you get to when you say Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, then you say quietly, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Then you say loud, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Then you say quietly, Ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah, Ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah. Then loud, Ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah, Ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah. So this one has the additional two quiet sentences which would then lead the end result to be 19 sentences. That's mentioned in this hadith of Abu Mahdura. Also what's mentioned in this hadith, in one of its narrations, the narration which is in Sahih Muslim in fact, is that at the beginning of the adhan, you only say Allahu Akbar twice. So Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, and then Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, you carry on. Allahu Akbar only twice at the beginning, that's mentioned in the narration of Sahih Muslim of this hadith. So therefore, in reality, you end up with three versions of the adhan. You end up with the standard 15 sentences, what everybody does now, what you hear everywhere. You also end up with the 19 sentences, which is that you do the shahadatain, ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah, quietly twice, loud twice, quietly twice, loud twice. You have that version. And you have this version, where at the beginning of it, you only say Allahu Akbar twice. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And then you move on to Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. So in effect, you end up with three different versions of the Adhan. Three different narrations on three different versions of the Adhan. With regards to the takbirat at the beginning then. The issue of the takbirat at the beginning. We have this narration now of Sahih Muslim, where it says it's only twice. However, Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah ta'ala, he says... فَيَكُونُ الْعَمَلُ إِذَنْ عَلَى تَرْبِيعِ التَّكْبِيرَاتِ فِي الْأَذَانِ What we act upon, what we act upon is that we do the four takbirat in the adhan at the beginning. لِأَنَّهُ ثَبَتَ فِي الْحَدِيثَيْنِ Because that is something which is proven in two separate hadith. It is mentioned in two separate narrations, two separate hadith, that there are four takbirat at the beginning. Which ones? The first hadith that we mentioned, the dream and also this hadith of Abu Mahdura, even though in one version of it, in one narration of it, in Sahih Muslim, there's only two at the beginning, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. In the other versions of the same narration of Abu Mahdura, there are actually four. So therefore you do have two separate hadith, two separate narrations, which are indicating that you do the Allahu Akbar four times at the beginning. Uh, وَلِأَنَّ تَرْبِيعَ التَّكْبِيرِ هُوَ أَذَانُ بِلَالُ وَأَذَانِ ابْنِ أُمَّكْتُونَ Also because doing Allahu Akbar four times at the beginning, that is how uh, Bilal ibn Abi Rabah, he used to do it, and Abdullah ibn Maktoum, radiyallahu anhuma, that's how they used to do the adhan also in Medina, in the presence of the Prophet wasallam. So based upon those factors, the Shaykh says, what we act upon is, in accordance to all these narrations, we act upon the four takbirat at the beginning. And that is the correct opinion to follow the Shaykh mentions, based upon that, uh, these evidences, and Abdul, uh, Bilal ibn Abi Rabah, doing that in the presence of the Prophet ﷺ, also the two different narrations, both indicating that. So that is what the conclusion is with regards to the takbirat. Even though there is this narration in Sahih Muslim, saying you only do two at the beginning. The Shaykh says we act upon the four due to the many other narrations and the act of Bilal ibn Abi Rabah radiallahu anhu uh, in the presence of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to hear that adhan five times a day. كَانَ يَسْمَعُهُ كُلَّ يَوْمٍ خَمْسَ مَرَّاتِ The Shaykh says the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to hear that five times a day. So he says it's possible, maybe, maybe the narration about the two takbirat at the beginning could be mansukh. It could be abrogated. Shaykh says that's possibility. It's a possibility that the narration about the two takbirat only, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, and then going straight to Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, that maybe that narration is abrogated. It's possible. Because of all of these other narrations and all these other evidences indicating that it is four times. And that the Prophet used to hear it being done with four times. Five times a day he used to hear that, and there was no rejection. 
There was no clarification. So the Shaykh says it's a possibility that maybe the twice uh, two takbirat only is possibly abrogated. So we act upon the four takbirat, the Shaykh says, and that is what the majority of the scholars have clearly uh, explained. Uh, as for the issue of the tarji' then do you say it quietly or do you not? What's the correct opinion with regards to that? Is it to be done on the 15 sentences or do you take it to 19 sentences by quietly saying, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, and then loudly saying them, and then after that quietly saying, Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah twice, and then twice loudly. So you end up in 19 sentences. What's the ruling on that adhan? The Shaykh says the evidences indicate, or a lot of the narrations indicate, that it is to be done on the 15 sentences. The 15 sentences. The standard adhan that you hear everywhere now. However, if somebody did do it on the 19 sentences, with twice and twice quietly to himself as well, in the adhan, then you can't say this is a bid'ah or it's an innovation or it's something impermissible. If somebody did it occasionally, now and again, if somebody did it who was making the adhan, then it's okay. There are evidences to indicate that. The hadith of Abu Mahdura, authentic narration, indicating this tarji' this uh, saying of the shahadatain, quietly twice, quiet, uh, loud twice, quietly twice, loud twice. The shaykh says if somebody did that now and again, if somebody did that from the mu'addineen, the people who make the adhan, then it's not an issue and it's not something that you uh, state is a bid'ah or an innovation because there are narrations for it. So if somebody did it occasionally, then there's no problem. But generally speaking, typically speaking, the adhan which is established and which is shown in the narrations is the 15 sentences. And that's what the majority of the scholars, they say. Uh, the next narration in this chapter... وعن أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه قال أمر بلال أن يشفع الأذان شفعا ويوتر الإقامة إلا الإقامة يعني إلا قوله قد قامت الصلاة متفق عليه ولم يذكر مسلم إلا الاستثناء وللنساء أمر المسلم بلالا In this hadith of Anas ibn Malik رضي الله عنه He says that Bilal he was commanded to make the adhan even to make the adhan in even parts and to make the iqama odd, except qad qamati salah. And that will come, the explanation of what that means, and that is mentioned in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. So in this hadith now, Bilal was commanded to make the adhan in pairs, to make the adhan even, and to make the iqama odd, except for the statement qad qamati salah. So to make the adhan even, meaning to repeat it. So at the beginning, you say Allahu Akbar four times. That's an even number. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. That's even. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Twice, even. Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Twice, even. Hayya ala salah. Twice. Hayya ala al-falah. Twice. Allahu Akbar. Twice. Except at the ending, la ilaha illallah. So everything is done in pairs or in even numbers. So here that's what the hadith says. That Bilal was commanded to make the adhan in even numbers. And the iqama to make that in odd numbers, meaning you don't double it up. The iqama is not to be doubled up. يَذْكُرُ أَلْفَاظَهَا مَرَّةً wahida. Its wording is done once only. Except when you say قَدْ قَامَتِ الصَّلَاةِ because that is done twice. So, here it says وَالشَّفْعُ كَمَا تَقَدَّمَ يَشْمِلُ مَرَّتَيْنِ وَيَكُونُ أَكْثَرَ لِيَكُونَ ذَرْبِيعًا والحكمة والله أعلم في شفع الأذان وإفراد الإقامة. The Sheikh says, so why is it that the adhan is done twice over for each thing? You say Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, then repeat it Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, then repeat it Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, repeat it Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Hayya ala salah, repeat it Hayya ala salah. Hayya ala falah, repeat it Hayya ala falah. Everything is repeated apart from the last line. But in the iqama. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, that's it, not to be repeated. Then, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, once. Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, once. Everything is once there, except, Qad qamati salah. That's the only one which is repeated. Qad qamati salah, Qad qamati salah. Then Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, once. Not Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, and then Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar again. 
So the iqama is done once. The words aren't repeated twice. The sentences are not said twice. Whereas in the adhan, the sentences are said twice. The shaykh says, what is the wisdom behind that? Why is it that the adhan is done in doubles and it is repeated? Whereas the iqama, you say the sentence once and that is sufficient. He says, because the adhan, like we said, it is an announcement to alert the people to the beginning of the time. So there is a need to repeat that. To repeat the announcement, to make sure that it is heard and everybody hears and understands. So there is a repetition of the words. It is not just said the once, but it is repeated. To make sure that the announcement is gone out and heard, good and proper. Whereas the iqama, that is simply to alert the people who are already present now, that the prayer is about to start. It doesn't require a large announcement with repetition of the words. It is simply to allow the people to know who are already present and gathered now, that simply now the time has begun, now the prayer or the prayer has begun now. The prayer is going to start now. So the iqama is only an announcement for those people who are already present now. It doesn't require the repetition of the words and a big announcement. Whereas the adhan, it requires to be a bigger announcement to alert the people uh, everywhere that the time for the prayer is beginning and uh, uh, the prayer will be established. So the shaykh says maybe that is the wisdom behind repeating the adhan whereas the iqama doesn't need to be repeated. Um, so all of these narrations together then. All of these narrations together, what do we understand? The first narration was about the dream where the companion Abdullah ibn Abd radiallahu anhu was given the explanation of how to do how to do the adhan on the 15 sentences. Then there was the narration about the fajr where you add the extra as-salatu khairun min al-nawm. Then there was the narration of doing the tarji' the extra uh, shahada ten quietly and only doing the takbir once at the beginning Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar not repeating it and then at the end there was this narration about making the adhan doubled up and the iqama just single so what do we benefit from all of these narrations the first thing that we benefit from these narrations is quite clearly and blatantly the legislation for the adhan that the adhan is something which is legislated to be done for the five prayers and also we understand the legislation of the Iqama, that's mentioned in those hadith too. In this final narration, it's mentioned about the Iqama, how it's done in a single manner, not doubled up. So that hadith indicates the obligation or the, the legislation of the Iqama also. So these, indication, these narrations indicate that the Adhan is something which is an announcement for the beginning of the time, and the Iqama is an announcement that the prayer is now actually going to begin. And that is something legislated in the religion. Uh, another point which can be benefited from these narrations is that certain dreams can be true. There are certain dreams which can be true, which uh, indicate something of truthfulness. And that is, as the Prophet ﷺ said, one of uh, 46 parts of prophethood. That somebody has a truthful dream, a dream which is uh, accurate in its nature. And that's just like uh, Ibn al-Qayyim he mentioned. Ibn al-Qayyim, he mentioned in Kitab al-Ruh, in the book of the soul, he explains different factors or different issues relating to that. And he mentioned that dreams are three types. Dreams that people have are three types. Generally speaking, you have dreams that are meaningless. They are dreams related to your everyday affairs. Something happened to you during the day, and so in the evening you go to bed thinking about that thing, or it's somewhere there in your subconscious, so at night you dream about it. You fell off the bus on the day, so at night you have a dream about falling off the bus. It's just something that happens, some events that occurred, and you have a dream about them. They mean nothing. They are just random dreams about things that happened in your day, last day, a week ago, a month ago, something happened, it's there in your mind, it's floating around, you might not even be thinking about it, but it's there. And then at night you have a dream about that affair. It means nothing, useless. It's just a dream about some of the events that have occurred in your life. Something occurred that day, it was in your mind, so you had a dream about it. That's just a standard dream which doesn't mean anything. It doesn't have any effect on anything, it doesn't mean anything. And there is no benefit to them. Those types of dreams, there is no benefit to them. Uh, people, they go too much into dreams. As Shaykh Hamad al-Ansari, rahimahullah, he used to say, that people, they go too much into dreams, they delve too far into dreams. And one of the types of dreams is this. The standard dream that you have about something that you were doing during that day. 
You dream about something that was in your mind floating around, some incident that happened, some event that happened, something somebody told you about. So you have a dream about that. That's a standard dream just because of those thoughts in your mind. It means nothing. There is no benefit to that type of dream. But the people, if they have even that type of dream, they want an interpretation, they want to go to someone, what does it mean, what is this, what is that? And it means nothing, nothing at all. You have a dream about falling off the bus. Why? Because you heard somebody, brother told you that somebody, he saw someone falling off the bus. So it's stuck in your mind, you went to sleep and you had a dream about it. And that's it, it doesn't mean anything. So these types of dreams, they don't mean nothing, they don't have any benefit or any effect to them. The second type of dream is the dream that the shaitan brings to the person. The dream that the shaitan brings to the person. So the shaitan, he overcomes a person and maybe he causes him to dream about something that causes that person grief or sadness or sorrow or fear, makes that person have some type of dream that causes him to become fearful or sorrowful or grieving as a consequence of this dream. So it worries him and it concerns him. You might have these types of dreams, these evil dreams or these bad dreams. Then that type of dream, uh, the shaykh says, this type will occur particularly if an individual does not look after his uh, supplications and his dua that you're supposed to recite before going to sleep. And there are various supplications that a person can recite before going to sleep. The shaykh mentions, for example, Ayatul Kursi, Surah Al-Ikhlas, Al-Mu'awidhatayn, قُلْ عَوْضُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ and قُلْ عَوْضُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ All of these types of things can be recited before going to sleep and a person who ignores all of these uh, recitations, ignores all of these supplications, then there is a possibility or a higher possibility of the shaitan overcoming that person in that person's sleep. So again, these types of dreams, if they occur, these evil types of dreams or these dreams that cause a person to become sorrowful or grieving or fearful, then again, they are from the shaitan and a person... Uh, if he has that type of dream at night, then the sunnah has mentioned he should spittle to his left uh, uh, and uh, uh, change over sides. So if he was sleeping on his back, then change over and sleep to the right hand side. And if he was sleeping on his right hand side, then change over and sleep on his back. So to change the direction of your sleep, if you have this dream, and also it's mentioned in Sunnah Tirmidhi and other books that a person can get up, make wudu and pray to raka'at, if he has this type of dream at night, but that a person does these things, it is from the sunnah. Uh, and uh, if a person has those types of dreams, you don't speak about them. You don't speak about them, you don't inform the people about them, and they will not harm a person. They will not harm a person. But it is from the sunnah that a person doesn't go and converse about those dreams, and speak about those dreams. There is a narration from one of the... Uh, there's a narration mentioned that uh, one of the salaf, he mentioned he had a dream that his head was chopped off and it was rolling in front of him. His head was chopped off and it was rolling in front of him, in front of him and he was chasing after his head. So then this dream when it was mentioned, he was told that this is from the shaitan. This is from the shaitan and it will not harm you. And this is from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, that these types of dreams that are fearful or worrying or concerning to a person, then they are not something that will harm a person, but that he doesn't speak about them or converse about them to the people. And if you have them, spittle to your left three times, change the direction of your sleep, get up, make wudu, pray to raka'at, all of that can be done. The third type of dream is al-ru'ya al-haq. That is the truthful dream. The truthful dream. And that is the type of dream that comes or occurs via an angel. That the angel comes and, and, and creates this dream or puts this dream into that person. The angel comes and causes this person to view these things which are truthfulness. They are truthfulness and they are glad tidings. Glad tidings and truthfulness. And that is just like the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in Sahih Muslim. That there is nothing left from the glad tidings of prophethood except the rightful, the truthful, the honest dream that a Muslim sees or he is caused to see. So these are the different types of dreams. And those types of uh, rightful, truthful dreams, they are mentioned that the prophets and the messengers, they used to see them. For example, Yusuf alayhi salam. Similarly, Ibrahim alayhi salam. Where he said in Surah Al-Safat, إِنِّي أَرَى فِي الْمَنَامِ أَنِّي أَذْبَحُكَ That indeed I have seen in a dream that I am slaughtering you. That was a truthful dream. 
come to him as a revelation, a type of inspiration. So these are the three different types of dreams. Uh, and But like the scholars, they say, people, they delve into dreams too much. Often, often the dream will be the first category, just something random that a person remembers from somebody telling them something, maybe something they saw during the day, but they didn't pay attention to it, but it's stuck in their mind, and they have a dream about these things. They are nothing. Those dreams don't mean anything, and there are no benefit to them. So the people, they should not be too concerned about their dreams. The people, they engaged far too much in attempting to interpret dreams and find someone who can interpret dreams. Maybe this will mean something, maybe that will mean something. And often it means nothing. And this is not a form of legislation. It is not a form of legislation or revelation. So the people should concentrate upon the legislation of the Qur'an and the Sunnah, learning it, rather than delving and giving so much importance to interpreting dreams. The next issue, the Shaykh says, في حديث عبد الله بن زيد وأبي محذور دليل على الفرق بين الأذان والإقامة. We have understood from these narrations that there is a difference between the Adhan and the Iqamah in how they are done. We've understood there's a difference between the Adhan and the Iqamah in how they are done. So the Adhan is done with 15 sentences. 15 sentences, all of them doubled up, except for the final sentence, La ilaha illallah. As for the Iqamah, it is only 11 sentences. 11 sentences. How do you get to 11 sentences? So, the iqama. That's two. That's three. Four. Five. Six. Seven. Eight. Nine. Ten. Eleven. So the iqama is eleven. If you add up the iqama, it's eleven sentences. If you add up the adhan, it's fifteen sentences. So this is the difference between the Adhan and the Iqama, and that's mentioned in those narrations. Also the Shaykh says, وَأَنَّ الْأَذَانِ يُجْهَرُ بِهِ بِأَعْلَى صَوْتِ The Adhan, this is the differences also, the Adhan is done with a, a raised voice, a loud voice. That's the purpose of the Adhan, an announcement to alert the people that the time has begun. So the Adhan is done with a raised and high voice. أَمَّا الْإِقَامَ فَإِنَّهَا لَا يُجْهَرُ بِهَا As for the Iqama, then no. The iqama isn't supposed to be done in a very loud and raised voice. The iqama, like we said, it is to alert the people who are already present now. They are already attended. Just to alert them that the prayer is going to start. So there's no need for a loud voice and a raised voice in the iqama. Whereas the adhan, there is a need for that. Because the adhan is an announcement to the people as a whole that the time has now begun. So that's another difference the shaykh mentions. The adhan is done with a raised high voice. Whereas the iqama is done in a standard voice. It's not required to raise the voice and to elongate it or any of that uh, uh, nature. وَأَنَّ الْأَذَانِ يُتَرَسَّلُ فِي أَدَائِهِ وَأَمَّ الْإِقَامَ فَإِنَّهُ تُحْدَرُ حَدْرًا يعني يُسْرَعُ بِهَا Another difference is that the adhan, it is elongated. You make the adhan in a manner which is a little bit longer, a little bit louder, longer, as it is an announcement for the entry of the prayer. Whereas the iqama, it is not done in that same way. You don't make the iqama elongated. The iqama is done quickly. It is simply uh, to alert the people that we are starting the prayer now. So it is done quickly and in a standard voice. Not like the adhan which is done maybe a bit slower and louder so that the people can hear and the announcement is made. So those are differences between the adhan and the iqama. So it's not really correct what the people do sometimes. They make the iqama like they make the adhan. They make the iqama very slow and loud, just as if they are making the adhan. And there's a difference in the type and in the manner they are done. The adhan is done slow and loud. The iqama is done standard, quickly, normal. That is just to alert the people who are already here. Now we're starting. Uh, the next issue also it mentions is uh, regarding fila hadith tarbi'a takbir fi awwal al-adhan wa hada huwa thabit. The hadith mentioned about saying Allahu Akbar four times at the beginning, and that is what is established. And that is what the majority of the scholars are upon, and that is what they act upon. Uh, as for the other narration which says two, then that is not what the majority of the scholars are acting upon. The majority is that it is four, and that is what should be done. في حديث عبد الله بن زيد دليل على عدم في شهادتين. Also, we have the narrations which indicate that it is not from the established adhan to make the tarji' to say the shahadatain quietly and then loud. Although like the Shaykh says, if somebody did do it now and again, 
then it is okay. It is acceptable because there are narrations and evidences to show it. So if a person did do it now and again, then it's okay, but not consistently and always. person shouldn't do that consistently, persistently, always. But if he did it sometimes, it's okay. But the established adhan is simply the 15 sentences. Uh, also at the end it says that the uh, Salat al-Fajr, you add the as-salatu khayrun min al But is that to be added in the first adhan for Fajr or the second adhan for Fajr? First. The first one. So the Prophet ﷺ, he commanded Bilal to say As-salatu khayru min al-nawm. And the uh, wisdom behind that, Allahu A'lam as the Shaykh says, is because that is a time when people are typically going to be asleep. So you are alerting them and you are bringing them to attention that the prayer is better than sleep. Because typically the people will be asleep at that time. تُقَالُوا فِي الْأَذَانِ الْأَوَّلِ أَوْ فِي الْأَذَانِ الثَّانِي Do you say it in the first adhan or the second adhan? هَذَا مَحَلُّ خِلَافٍ بَيْنَ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ This is something that there is a difference of opinion about between the scholars. Is it said in the first adhan or is it said in the second adhan? And the majority of the scholars, they say that it is to be done in the second adhan. The majority of the scholars, they say that it is done in the second adhan. Some of them though, however, like we said, difference of opinion. Some of them consider that it is to be done in the first adhan. لِأَنَّهُ هُوَ وَقْتُ نَوْمِ النَّاسِ وَلَكِنْ لَا يَكُونُ بَيْنَ الْأَذَانِ الْأَوَّلِ وَالْأَذَانِ الثَّانِ مُدَّةً طَوِيلًا أَمَّا إِذَا أَذَّنَ مُبَكِّرًا كَأَنْ يُؤَذِّنَ قَبْلَ الْفَجْرِ بِسَاعَتَيْنِ فَلَا يَقُولَ صَلَ but that is, if you are going to do the first adhan just before Talu' al-Fajr, the beginning time of Fajr. The beginning time of Fajr, for example, whatever time it is these days, maybe 5.30, 6 o'clock, whatever time it is. For example, let's say 6 o'clock is the beginning time of Fajr. So if that first adhan was going to be done at 5.30 or 5.45, just before the actual adhan for Fajr, maybe 20 minutes or so before the actual adhan for fajr, just before. If it was going to be done just before, then okay, say as-salatu khayru min al-naw. But if somebody does the adhan, the first one, maybe two hours before the actual start time for fajr. Now the start time for fajr, if it is for example 6 a.m., if that first adhan is done at 4 a.m., then you don't say as-salatu khayru min al-naw. Why are you going to say to the people at 4 o'clock, prayer is better than sleep and there's still two hours, two and a half hours left for fajr yet? So if that first adhan is going to be done very close to the actual time of Fajr, then okay, as-salatu khayru min al-nawm in the first one, as some of the scholars they said. But many of the scholars they say the second one is when you say that. Because the second one, that's the importance. Now everybody needs to get up. The first one, even if they don't get up yet. The second adhan, they need to get up now. So you tell them, as-salatu khayru min al-nawm. Prayer is better than sleep. So that is what the scholars say, many of them, that you say in the second one, because that is the time when the people, they need to wake up, they need to get up. So it is more relevant to say it then. But it's a difference of opinion in which one it is said in. We'll just mention these next couple of hadith. They're very short and we'll conclude upon that. وَعَنَ بِي جُحَيْفَى رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالْ رَأَيْتُ بِلَالًا يُؤَذِّنُ وَأَتَتَبَّعُ فَاهُ هَا هُنَا وَهَا هُنَا وَإِسْبَعَاهُ فِي أُذُنَيْهِ رواه أحمد والترمذ وصحاها وَلِأَبِي دَاوُدْ لَوَا عُنُقَهُ لَمَّا بَلَغْ حَيَّ عَلَى الصَّلَاءِ يَمِينًا وَشَمَالًا وَلَمْ يَسْتَدِرْ وَأَصْلُهُ فِي صَحِيحَيْنِ In the hadith of Abu Juhayfa, he says, رضي الله عنه, uh, that I saw Bilal making the adhan. He says, I saw Bilal uh, making the adhan, رضي الله عنه, and I was following him, I was following his mouth, as he was making the adhan, here and here. I was following him making the adhan, here and here. And his fingers were in his ears. Uh, so what does this hadith mean then? This hadith is explaining how to do the adhan. What are the descriptions of the person when he's doing the adhan? So this hadith is narrated by Abu Juhayfa radiallahu anhu. His name was Wahab ibn Muslim. He says that I heard, oh I saw rather, I saw Bilal radiallahu anhu making the adhan. And he said I was following his mouth as he was making the adhan. 
here and here, meaning that he was moving. It wasn't stationary. أن بلال كان يلتفت في الأذان يمينا وشمالا. That Bilal, when he was making the adhan, رضي الله عنه, he was moving to the right and to the left. ولكن جاء ما يقيد هذا الالتفات بأنه كان في الحي علتين فقط. However, when was Bilal moving to the right and to the left, رضي الله عنه? It is mentioned in the other narrations that this was only when he was saying حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح. So in those sentences, it is mentioned in the narrations that he would move to the right and to the left with his head. As the next part says, uh, He would move his neck. Meaning that the person doesn't move his whole body. You don't move your whole body and your feet and everything and turn that way. The hadith says, He didn't move his whole body around, it was just his neck. Just the neck moved to that side and the neck moved to this side. That's what the narration says. That he didn't move his whole body that way and his whole body this way, but just the neck that way and the neck this way. In saying, Hayya ala salah and Hayya ala al-falah. So the shaykh says, when a person says, Hayya ala salah, Hayya ala salah, fa'innahu yaltafitu ila jihat al-yasar. When a person says, Hayya ala salah, then you turn the neck to the left. Uh, when he says Hayya ala al-falah Then you turn the neck to the right Or it could be done the other way around You could do it the other way Hayya ala salah to the right Hayya ala al-falah to the left It's possible the shaykh says Oh bilax Because the purpose of it is To get the call out everywhere So whether you turn to the right first Or turn to the left first Depending on which of the words you're saying Whichever word, whichever way you turn, the point is that you are turning in the directions to make sure the voice goes out. So that is the purpose of it. Because he's calling the people, so he's spreading his voice out. And that's what it means. It means come to the prayer. Come to the prayer. Come and approach and attend the prayer. And similarly, means come to success and approach success. So you're calling the people to that success and to that prayer and you're turning your head to the left and to the right. But that is the head, not the full body. So uh, also this narration, then what do we benefit? We benefit that the fingers are put in the ears. And in some narrations it says it was the index fingers. That the index fingers, they go into the ears when making the adhan. And the shaykh says perhaps the wisdom behind that is that when a person puts his fingers into his ears, then you are able to raise your voice more, that maybe the voice can be raised more and made clearer and higher when a person places his fingers into his ears. So that's mentioned in this narration that he had put his fingers into his ears. Also it's mentioned he moved to the right and to the left with his neck only and that he did not move the whole of his body to the right and to the left. The body stays facing towards the qibla, but it is the neck that moves to the right and to the left and that is what's established and that's what uh, is famous from the uh, uh, narrations of Imam Ahmad in the Madhab of Imam Ahmad. Uh, even though it's mentioned by Imam Ahmad that if somebody was doing the adhan in a minaret, somebody's up in a minaret doing the adhan, then in that case there is a narration from Imam Ahmad that in that case he should make a full turn with his body, turn the whole way with his body and turn the whole because he's, he's in a minaret. So the voice is going to go in a circle, in a minaret, you know, when the, you have the windows all the way around. It's a circular shape. So there, there are some narrations, if a person was in a minaret, to turn everywhere. To turn with his body everywhere, in a minaret. But typically what's established and what the majority are upon and what's famous, is that you stay still facing the qibla, and only the head moves to the right and to the left in making the adhan. So these are the mannerisms of making the adhan, or some of the mannerisms of making the adhan. And also the person should be uh, somebody who raises his voice, uh, should be able to raise his voice loud. And you should do all of these things with the adhan, even if you're doing it on a microphone or not. You still do those same things about moving to the right and moving to the left. They are from the mannerisms of the adhan. And the final narration we'll mention then, Anabi Mahdura radiallahu anhu anna nabi sallam a'ajabahu sawtuhu fa'allamahu al-adhan. Um... Abu Mahdura radiallahu anhu he says that the Prophet ﷺ was pleased with his voice. He liked his voice. So he taught him the adhan. 
Abu Mahdura, what we already narrated, that they used to recite the Adhan, and the Prophet ﷺ heard these children and some of them reciting the Adhan, and he heard Abu Mahdura, radiallahu an, and he liked his voice, it pleased him his voice, so he chose him, he picked him, and he made dua for him, and he taught him the Adhan, and then he became the Mu'adhin in Al-Masjid Al-Haram, and he continued to be the Mu'adhin until the Prophet ﷺ died. So this hadith, what does it indicate? What's the point of this narration? The point of it is that it indicates the person who does the adhan should be somebody of a nice voice. Somebody of good voice, that he is able to do the adhan in a good voice. وَأَنَّهُ يُخْتَارُ لِلْأَذَانِ أَحْسَنُ النَّاسِ سَوْتًا That the person with the best voice or with a good voice, he should be the one chosen to make the adhan. Or well, that's one of the characteristics that you would look at for somebody who's making the adhan. A loud voice, a good voice. لِأَنَّ حُسْنَ الصَّوْتِ لَهُ تَأْثِيرُ فِي السَّامِعِينَ because a person who has a nice voice, a good voice, a beautiful voice, it will have an effect on the people listening. So a person who's making the adhan with a beautiful voice, it will affect the people listening. And they'll be affected by that adhan, it will enter their hearts, and perhaps that will cause them to come to the prayer. Because a person who has beautiful voice, whether it's in the adhan or recitation of the Qur'an, that affects the people. كَذَلِكَ يَدُلُّ الْحَدِيثَ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهُ يَنْبَغِي لِلْمُؤَذِّنْ أَنْ يُحَسِّنَ صَوْتَهُ بِالْأَذَانِ So the hadith indicates that a person when he makes adhan, that he should beautify his voice in making the adhan. He should make the adhan nicely. لِأَنَّ الْأَذَانِ نِدَاءٌ لِلصَّلَاءِ Because the adhan is a call to the prayer, the worship to Allah. لِذَا يُسْتَحَبُّ تَحْسِينَ الصَّوْتِ فِي الْأَذَانِ That's why it is liked, preferred to make the sound, the voice nice in the adhan. However, Everybody should pay attention to the final part of this discussion. However, having said that you make the voice nice and you make the voice beautiful, that is in accordance to what the sunnah has stated. And that does not mean that you recite the adhan in some sort of melodious way, with a tune to it, or with some type of melody to it. That is not from the sunnah. That's not the meaning of making your voice beautiful. They recite the adhan with this beautiful recitation, and they make it long, and they put tunes and melody into it. All of this type of adhan, that's not from the sunnah. And in fact, the shaykh, he says, دُونَ إِخْرَاجِهِ إِلَى حَدِّ التَّطْرِيبِ وَالتَّمْطِيطِ You have the beautiful voice, but not to the extent you begin to elongate all of the words and the sounds in the adhan, as the people they do. They elongate everything, Allahu Akbar, and they make sounds and voice and melody and all these types of things. Then that is not that something should be done. The Shaykh says, كَمَا يَفْعَلُهُ الْكَثِيرُ مِنَ الْمُؤَذِّنِينَ فِي هَذِي الْأَيَّامِ Many people they do that now, the Shaykh says. And that's incorrect. When the people they try to sing the Adhan almost, inverted commas. Then that is not correct and that is not how the Adhan should be done. Shaykh bin Baz, they said the same thing to him. And he said, a person, the person who's doing the Adhan, it is befitting that he should maintain the Adhan and protect the Adhan and keep it maintained. From from what? Keep it protected and safeguarded from melody and tunes and elongation. Because sometimes, Sheikh Bin Bazri said, the Mu'addineen, the people who make the Adhan, they elongate the Adhan and they, by doing that, by putting these melodies and elongating it, they change the words by accident. They change the words sometimes. So for example, the Sheikh gave an example, Sheikh Bin Baz, Rahimahullah, he said, you might hear them saying, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulallah. Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulallah. What's the mistake? Muhammadan is okay? Rasulallah. Ashhadu anna Muhammadan. Muhammadan mansub, it's okay, anna. But the next page should be Rasulullah. Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah. Often the Mu'addin, you hear them, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulallah. Because they're doing the melodious tune, so it matches, it rhymes. Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulallah. Like that. So because they try to make it beautiful, they end up swapping things in the adhan, and changing the letters and the sounds. Often you hear them saying, Ashhadu, a lot of people do this, it's a common mistake. Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah. Extend it. By saying, Anna, you're changing the meaning of it. And all of that is because the people, they try to make it sound beautiful. They try to elongate the sounds and things to make it beautiful. 
That's not the meaning of these hadith when he says, have a beautiful voice. A beautiful voice, a voice that sounds nice when you recite the words properly, accurately, without elongation and without uh, melodies and tunes. That's the purpose of these narrations and these hadith. So it's incorrect what the people they do when they try to make the adhan into this beautiful sounding, uh, melodious type of adhan, and they make mistakes in the actual wordings by trying to do that. Um, inshallah, we'll conclude there then. We'll leave upon that point, and next time, inshallah, we'll carry on, and it's going to be the issue of the adhan in the Eid prayer and other types of prayers which are not fard prayers. What is the ruling on the adhan in those other types of prayers like the Eid prayers and those other types, the rain prayer, etc.? What's the ruling on doing the adhan in those? And then also there's going to be about the narration when the companions and the Prophet ﷺ, they awoke late on one occasion. But inshallah we'll carry on with all of those affairs next time.